What of the three kinds of people in the world are you? There are three kinds of people at work, and how do you determine which one you are? This is Dale Callahan, your host today on the Company of One podcast. And as we're going to jump in and look at the three kinds of people, what we're doing is continuing the conversation that we did last week in podcast episode number 174, which was about the Company of One. And again, last week I went through the Company of One in more detail as a lot of people were asking, hey, what is the Company of One concept you keep referring to? Because I think in general a lot of people understood Company of One, but they didn't really know some of the details and some of the processes. So to sum up the Company of One, all of us are entrepreneurs. Every single one of us is making money in return for goods and services. That's what we do. That's what we do when we go to work. Uh, and in that, we're all business owners, and we need to think like business owners. So last week, we talked about the four roles of a company of one. Every single company, including the company that lives inside of you, has four roles. Has operating, has uh, marketing, has finance, and has research. And all of those four roles are the critical components that keep us uh, keep us functioning in terms of company, keeps income rolling in the door. Uh, but as we were pointing out, a lot of the challenges that we see in corporate America, and I'm using America, but it could be corporate anywhere. I know we have a lot of audience in Africa and other places, but it's, it's the same kind of issues. Uh, I know because you've told me uh, that it's the same kind of issues. It's, it's, it's a lot about the thinking. Thinking is so critical how you think um, or is so critical to how you run your company. It is so critical to how you run your company because it becomes the actions. Thoughts come before actions. So I'm not going to jump into the other roles of the company of one uh, tonight, today, or in this podcast. We record this at nighttime uh, but we are, uh, I know people listening to it at all times of the day. But today what we want to jump into are the three kinds of people at work and which one are you. So we're dealing with a thinking issue. Is what are the thoughts going on inside your head that are generating things? Now, you may be familiar with this. There's only three kinds of people in the world, and the, the way it's worded is there's those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened, right? And we, we can kind of get that and because that sounds accurate. I'm going to even add a fourth in there. There's the, those people who have no idea that anything happened. And even in this state of the world that we're in, there's a lot of that going on. There are people are totally unaware of a lot of things, unless it happens to be the Kardashians or, you know, something going on on what is the Tiger Show on Netflix that I don't even have any clue what the heck it's called. Uh, but you know what I mean. So we have a we have a lot of clue in what's going on in some of the media type of stuff, uh, but not necessarily what's going on in the world around us. So those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what happened are three of the groupings of people. Those are all three what I would call action, you know, or maybe the passive, but they're things that uh, happen. So I want to think through some of the thinking. Uh, so I'm going to categorize it a little bit differently into three kinds of people and talk about them 
because it matters so much which one you are. These three are victims, followers, and leaders. And okay, Dale, you're about to get negative. Yeah, I might be. I might be about to get negative. But what I want to do is kind of define what these are because they're real. They're very real. It does. This is not the United States of America or just what some other country is. This is anywhere in all times in history. There are victims, followers, and leaders. Uh, so it's not, a, it's not a government culture that creates this. It's a thinking. Uh, so you may, you may or may not disagree with these, but, well, I think most of you probably will agree with these. But the challenge is, wh- which one are you? And so what I want to think of through is which one are you? Because if you're stuck in the victim category, it's really hard to take control of your company of one. It's, it's a little bit easier if you are a follower and, uh, and, and definitely a little bit of uh, easier if you're a leader too. So let's think about what this looks like. There are three kinds of people. Let's, let's pull them apart. And I'm going to give you some uh, avenues to how you think about which one you are. First is victims. Uh, Now, these people are always applying for government assistance. I don't care what the government is. They're always looking for what the government can do to save them. They oftentimes, at least in the culture in the United States and a lot of industrialized countries, they're oftentimes suing people. They make lawyers rich. They're squeezing others, right? They're trying to get the most because they feel like they deserve it. And you may actually hear those terms, I deserve it. I deserve a raise. I deserve a promotion. Do you hear those words coming out of your mouth? If you do, you might be a victim. Now, that might sound offensive, but I think it's helpful that we understand these thoughts that are in our head because you may think that. You may even be right in a sense, but that's holding you back. That's keeping you from achieving things because you're stuck in the negative. And and I get it. We all get it. We get stuck in the negative, but it's hard to ever move forward and be positive while stuck in the negative. It's kind of like being stuck, you know, if anybody has ever driven a stick shift and you're stuck in a low gear and you can't get into high gear, so you can't ever get any speed up to get on the highway. And that's what it's like being a victim. Now, so they think they deserve. Now, we know this is a big part of our culture. And the reason we know this is a big part of our culture is what advertisers do. They use the word, get the blank that you deserve. Get the mattress that you deserve. Get the car that you deserve. Get the bank that you deserve. Whatever it is, you listen to advertisements. They're constantly talking about what you deserve. And I'm constantly scratching my head and like, why do we deserve that? I, I'm, I have nothing against fancy cars or great expensive mattresses or whatever it is they're selling. That's awesome. But why do we deserve it? What does that mean? Does it mean we won a prize? Do we win the race? And therefore the prize at the end of the race was 
the car or the mattress or the bank account? What made us deserve it? What makes us deserve it and what makes them talk about it is that's the voice going on inside our head. So if you're finding yourself saying, I deserve that a lot, and you stop for a minute and peel it back and ask yourself, what makes me say I deserve it? And if you're just running at the mouth trying to come up with excuses of why you deserve it, maybe you're playing the victim. Now, we all play the victim. This is not one group of people. We all play the victim from time to time. Uh, but it's where do you get stuck? So victims believe that they're owed something. Sometimes you believe you're owed something because of your race or your religion or your sex or your disability or just so many other reasons, the side of town you grew up on, all kinds of things. Uh, basically, they believe though they deserve things. And it may be free food. It may be a free place to live. It may be a free college degree. Y'all are hearing that one a lot, right? You may even agree with that. I deserve college free. I deserve a free education. That one we're seeing a lot. And politicians are doing that. By the way, and this is, I'm not even negative about politicians saying that because politicians are nothing but marketing people, right? They're, they're selling you themselves. And by talking about things that you care about, free college, they're putting out a marketing message and uh, because they know it's going to uh, resonate with some people. Now, however, however, and this is some other signs that you might be a victim, is what frustrates the victims? What frustrates them? Um, they can never win. They can never win. And you hear people say that. I can never win. I'm stupid. I can never get ahead. You hear all those voices coming out of our mouth. Sometimes when we're frustrated, I can never win. I can never get a break. Right? If you're hearing yourself saying that, you're playing the victim. Because that's a lie. We, we all know inside that's a lie. Uh, now, we're not saying the victim's not going to get some wins. What we're saying is the thinking going on in their head is I never win. Uh, but, by ne but, but in a sense, they never really do win But because by definition, they can never get other people to do enough for them. It can't all be done and it can't all be perfect uh, because governments, if the government does everything for you, feeds you, gives you a free house, gives you the Mercedes in the driveway, gives you the college education at Harvard or wherever they want to, you want to go, and you've got it all gold-plated. The government's done it all for you, and then you go to work for a company, and the company just breaks their neck to give you everything uh, as your employer. Uh, somebody's going to let you down. You're going to stand in line at a store, and somebody's not going to give you what you deserve. Right? There's somebody that's always going to let you down and you're going to feel the victim again. So they're constantly, by definition, frustrated because they are expecting other people to take care of their needs. I don't mean financial needs, not even necessarily, but take care of all their emotional needs. So they're the victim. I feel like my feelings got hurt. We call this, sometimes you hear this, uh, you know, maybe this is a political term. I have no idea. But the, the snowflake generation, they're talking about snowflakes, that they need somebody to take care of them. 
Uh, so this is this is the mentality, and I'm not I'm not even making fun of that. I'm saying they can never win because in their head they are always looking for everybody to take care of them perfectly. And I don't care if we want to take care of them perfectly; we're going to fail. And so therefore, boom, they're the victim and they're justified in their thinking. So it's it's a losing proposition and you see nothing but frustration. And I know I've, I've done financial coaching with people. Actually, I've done a lot of coaching with these kind of people, career coaching and financial coaching. And uh, it's hard for them to get anywhere. So it's and it's hard for them to even, when I talk about the company of one concept with them, it's hard for them to realize that that makes sense. I was speaking to a group um, a few years ago, and I said something along the lines that if you expect your college degree or your master's degree or whatever degree you got, if you expect your employers to appreciate the fact that you got that sheet of paper enough that they give you a pay raise, then you're missing something. And some guy in the audience in the front row, and he, he just he couldn't help himself, he says, that's just not right. I deserve, I got that degree, and I deserve a pay raise. And obviously, he was feeling that pain. It was very fresh to him. And there's no, there was no explaining to him. He talked to me afterwards. There was no explaining to him that that doesn't work that way, that the company doesn't reward you because you got a sheet of paper. The company rewards you by doing something to add more value to the company. And, and the sheet of paper not, is not usually it. So you, just that thinking just is, is a frustration. So all right, so there's the victims. So they're, uh, let's now move to what we would call the followers. Now, in the United States, this, the, the data, and this is not Dale's opinion, this is the data, the data would indicate that about 50% of the country has victim mentality. That's huge. That is huge. I, I, I'm going to guess that in a lot of our large, powerful, economic force, industrial countries, that the stats are similar. A lot of places in Europe... Um, that, that's just how people think. Victim mentality often follows wealthy societies. All in history, we can go back and see that in Rome, you know, the historical Rome, uh, the Roman Empire. So this victim mentality. So, but if we move to the other category, followers, and they make up another big giant bulk of the population. Stats, I don't know but probably a lot of the second 50%. And of course, these numbers move around. Followers are what we would call rule followers. They follow the rules. Hard work leads to success. Uh, which, okay, there's some truth to that, but they kind of miss the rest of the equation. They think their work should speak for themselves. Have you ever said that? My work should speak for, himself, for itself. I don't need to go around telling my boss how great I did. I might they should see and understand what I do to add value. I'm frustrated that my boss doesn't understand how much value I add. Right? So, this is where the marketing part of the company of one comes in. So, followers are usually terrible at marketing themselves because they have this belief. I went to school. I went to college. I am going to, uh, I'm, I'm doing a good job and I don't need to sell myself. I don't want to be a used car salesman. You know, that, and I actually have people tell me that. I have people call me up and say, Dale, 
I, uh, I appreciate what you're saying about selling yourself, and I get it. I get that there's value in it. That's just after we've been past this point. And they'll say, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to without coming off like I'm selling a used car. Um, so these people, though, followers are often suspicious of others, right? So as a victim, we know that everybody's out to get us. The man's out to hold us down, right? If, unless you're a victim with me, you're, you're, uh, you're out after me. But as a follower, uh, I'm trying to follow the formula. I went to school, I got a college degree, or I did all the right stuff, and now I'm working, and just it all should fall into place. I should get promoted just because I show up to work at seven o'clock, right? And they're suspicious of others. Uh, holding tightly to their methods and skills since this is what they think offers job security. They'll go off and get more certifications, more degrees to add to their job security. And they truly believe in their heart in job security while in the back of their mind they're suspicious why it doesn't feel very secure at times. These are the people that look up when the company's starting to do a layoff and they thought their job was so dadgum secure, and they're like, wow, what's happening? What's going on? The man's out to get me again. I'm watching this happen right now. So in universities all across the country where things are fairly stable, we're suddenly having conversations about furloughing people, cutting salaries of leadership teams. We're having this conversation at this very moment uh, at, at my university. Uh, just It's just a budget issue. Right, it's just where we are financially because of crisis and th some decisions that have been made. Some of it not in our control, and you and, and people are looking around like I felt secure, and and it's really shaking their world. And I understand that if you're if you're kind of in this situation, it shakes your world. But there's sh it's not just shaking their world because of the financial impact. It's shaking their world because their beliefs about themselves and the job that they had and the security that they had in their job is being shaken. Their beliefs are being shaken. And so this is where the follower's belief mentality. And this is why if you're a company of one that, that dealing with these things, because again, it's the beliefs that shatter you. These people work hard, they do the things, and they think they should be rewarded. They usually, the, the model translates to, you know, the K through 12, getting a good education, working long hours. As I like to say it, it's 12 plus 4 plus 30 equals a good life. 12 years of, uh, of under, or whatever you call that, 1st through 12th grade, whatever kind of education you call that. Anyway, it's the basic education, and then 4 years of college, and 30 years of a career, equals this nice retirement. And that's kind of the mentality that they've been talking about. So if you're a follower, though, you have some frustrations, right? Uh, just like the, the victim has frustrations because they can never, ever be treated correct because they're a victim. And, and in their thinking, they'll never be treated right. The follower, in their gut, they know it doesn't work. They keep telling themselves and parents keep telling their children, go to school, get a good thing, go work for a good company, right? And, and you'll all be taken care of. But there's somewhere in your gut you're like, that doesn't always work for Johnny. Johnny's company sold out, made a boatload of money, and then Johnny was left on the street. 
and, and he struggled since, right? So you know it doesn't work because you see other people where it doesn't work. Freedom is of, uh, uh, is of um, I'm sorry, the, um, um, I jumped ahead in my notes. <laughs> so they have totally believed at one point in their time of life, they look around and realize that something is wrong. Right, something is wrong with the model. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like I'm followed all the rules. I've done everything right, and then you look around and realize, but the rest of the world didn't follow the same rules. So, the best person doesn't always get the promotion. The hardest worker might be punished for working harder because they might get demoted, not get the bigger raise, get fussed at, have people mad at them. The person who is dumber, at least I think they're dumber, and they don't appear to work as hard, but they get promoted and they get their rewards. I mean, we think all that, right? We, we see it, and at least in our mind, we can say there's evidence that it doesn't work. And that makes us mad and frustrated. And so if you find yourself, and again, we all are victims at times, and we're all followers at times. Unfortunately, we're not all leaders at times. And so let's, let's jump into the next one, because the frustrations, and again, if you find yourself with the frustrations of the follower or the frustrations of the victim all the time, maybe that's who you are. Now, the good side is you don't have to be that. This is thinking. This is how you think. And remember the first statement we said there's three kinds of people in the world. You know, that there's, uh, that in the old adages, there's those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened. Well, you can move into the top of those who make things happen when you become the leader. And it starts with your thinking. So that's why we're focusing on the thinking now. What's the thinking of the company one mentality? As a whole, the thinking of the company of one mentality is a leader. A leader takes control. A leader makes things happen. A leader does not wait for somebody to give them permission to do something. They don't even need it. They, other people think you need it, but you don't, and a leader gets it. They don't need permission. They just do. Nobody's there to give you permission. There's no permission bank in the world that offers a certificate of permission to go off and be innovative and creative. There's no, there's business license and there's legal junk, but there's no permission. Freedom is of a high value to leaders. And this is an interesting thing as you watch what's going on in culture. Uh, in the book Drive, Daniel Pink talks about in the book Drive that people aren't really driven by money. We think about that. We think it's all about the money. But in the book Drive, Daniel Pink does some studies, and after people make a certain amount of money, it varies, but let's, let's just say it's $40,000. I don't know, in the United States. It's, it's basically, I'm not starving, I'm, I'm doing okay, uh, but there's a certain money point at which money is no longer the primary driver. It's like I got food on the table, I got shelter above me, so what's driving me now is not just money. Now what's driving me are things like things I'm passionate about, things I care about. I won't go into the three things he talks about, but it's very simple, makes sense. But, you know, uh, but people want, the one thing they do want 
is autonomy. They want to be able to go off and do something and become an expert and kind of own it. And so freedom is of high value to them. Freedom to serve others, freedom to do what you want. Uh, leaders tend to uh, lead no matter what. Now, this is the other thing that's comical. People will often say a leader has to have a title of a leader. No, I see leaders everywhere. I see leaders who have zero people working for them on the, on the uh, organizational chart. I see leaders who are leading entire organizations and nobody reports to them because it's the mentality of the leader. They're making things happen. Uh, they're having the influence and the power. So you don't have to own the company, be the president. You can be the lowest man or woman on the totem pole, if we will, and lead the organization. We see it happen all the time. You see it too. Right, you see, the most influential person in the grocery store might be the clerk at, at the cash register, and they can have more influence over the store, the manager, and the customers than anybody else. We see the secretary who has more influence running the boss all over the place. We see people who just lead and they are willing to take charge, not in a bossy way, but they're, they're in a way that. that absolutely leads the organization. So they'll even take the lead. And so we got a post and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, a post on uh, how do you lead when there's a leadership void? Because in most corporations, there's a leadership void either now or always. And there's uh, you're always set up for a leadership void at, point in time. So how do, at some point in time. So how do you take the lead? So a leader believes anything is possible. They believe they can. They believe that there will always be resistance. There's always resistance, and that is to be expected, maybe even enjoyed. There's a, uh, there's a, a book, I think it's by Stephen Pressfield, and I'm, I forget what it's called, but it may be called The Resistance, but he, he talks about the fact that you're, the resistance is the force that fights you no matter when you're trying to get something done. So a leader knows it's there. They know it's going to be there, and they expect it when it's when they may not, they're sometimes surprised, but they know it's going to show up. Uh, they believe the game is fun. To a leader, just playing the game is fun. It's kind of like the person out there in the football field. You know, some people are just there to win. Some people are there because when you win, you get the big bucks. And some people just enjoy the heck out of the game, and they enjoy winning too. Uh, money. For a leader is often not the big goal, like I was referring to with Daniel Pink. But money is a measure of the goal. So people love to make money because it tells them, "I won." That's I've I've been, I'm in this dilemma, and I find myself here often because uh, we'll be doing something business-wise, and my wife and I will be like, "Okay, so if we double the outcome financially to what we do." Uh, what do you? What are we making the money for? And sometimes we don't have an answer. You know, I mean, we can always find money, things to spend money on, right? But we're not looking to buy a bunch of stuff. You might be. That's awesome, but it's just not something that we care about. We got plenty, but money is still a measure. So you're like, well, you want to make money because it meant that worked. And, uh, and it's just fun. It's a fun thing to do. Uh, and leaders also believe 
you can learn from others ahead of you. Now, this is one. This is the kind of thing that victims and followers struggle with: is uh, others have walked in your path, others have done things that you want to do, and you can learn from them. You can you can learn mistakes from them too. You can learn things that shouldn't be done. You can learn like I don't like the way he did what he did, even though he was successful. There's all kinds of things to learn. It's not always positive. Some things are don'ts, and some things are do's. But they're always learning from what other people do. Leaders often tend to be readers. So you know you you've seen you've heard the adage that uh, leaders are readers. You know they're always reading books. So I was on a I was on a Facebook Live with a, 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 a marketing director of a company earlier today, and we were talking about books that we're reading. And every time I talk to him, we're always sharing different books and, you know, it makes the two of us buy books. I guess we're making Amazon richer every time we talk. But that's what leaders tend to do, right? Now, again, I think everybody's been a victim. Everybody's been a, a follower. And everybody probably has been a leader at some, thing, at some points. Or we go back and forth. Where do you spend most of your time? So let's talk about the frustrations of a leader. Because in the frustrations is how you kind of know which one you are, which frustrations do you face. The frustration a leader faces is the followers and the victims. They frustrate you, right? Not because you're mad at them, uh, but that you find them frustrating because both groups slow things down. You're trying to make progress. They inhibit progress. Both the victim and the follower are kind of in your way. Even then, the leader often tries to bring the victim and the follower forward by helping them. Uh, the leader is usually trying to lead, meaning influence them in a positive way. So the leader will oftentimes take the person who has a victim mentality or follower mentality and try to explain to them why doing this is a good thing and getting them to follow. But sometimes it doesn't work. And this is especially true with victims. You just can't get through to them. They're always a victim, almost always. And you might get a glimmer of hope, but if they live in the victimhood world most of their time or 80% of their time, man, it's hard to move that needle with them. And so a leader finds that frustrating. Uh, sometimes they're frustrating because, I mean, uh, sometimes a leader is more frustrated because when they realize I was trying to help those people, and I can't. You know, remember one of the things a leader thinks is anything is possible. And I remember doing this many, many times, trying to help people and think, I can help them because I see so much potential in them. They just need to, a door opened. They need to be introduced to somebody. And I take the burden, or you take the burden, and you try to help them. And after a while, you realize, at least you should, because if not, you're still in the frustration point. I can't help them. Some people cannot be helped. Some people cannot be helped. As a matter of fact, I'll go even further. You realize some people cannot be helped, and the more I try to help them, the more they're holding onto my ankle trying to drag me down where they are. Some people, some people I need to separate from. And that sounds mean and that sounds ugly. And I don't mean kick them in the teeth, but sometimes people, we need to spend less time 
with people than we are. Maybe no time with people. It's a great thing to do. Um, there's a great book, an awesome book by um, by the by the author of the name Boundaries, Henry Cloud, I think. Boundaries, and it's called Necessary Endings, and that's what he talks about in this book. Is there's times that you need to end relationships, business relationships, all kinds of relationships. There's times you need to end them, and it can hurt. And you know, so so you think about. Uh, you see a lot of relationships where people have been dating people for years and years and years, and they got this sour thing going on, and it's a necessary ending. You can't move forward until you end things. And this, you see this all the time in business. You see this in friendships. That you know, this person's been a friend of mine for years, but they're a victim, they're a follower, or especially if they're a victim, they they're hanging on to you, and they're dragging life out of you. And you're trying to lead, and you're trying to at least lead your own life, and you're trying to help them. And the more you reach back to help them, the more they suck out of you. And again, that sounds cold, but that's what frustrates a leader. So if you're finding yourself in that thing, there's a sign that you're a leader. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it. Well, I just did, but uh, read Necessary Endings. It's a uh, it's an eye-opener. Um it's an eye-opener for you. So there's three kinds of people. There's victims. There's followers, meaning they've done all the right things and followed the rules and trying to win. And then there's those leaders who make winning happen. So which one are you? So go back. I'll put this. These will be posted in the show notes at delcallahan.com slash 175. Think about which one you are. Because if you really want to take charge of a company of one mentality, if you want to really become your own marketing machine, if you want to increase your value in the market, or let's just say if you want to make more money, thinking like a leader gets you there faster. Thinking like a victim will actually keep you from getting there. So this is it for tonight. So thanks for joining in. Actually, I said that again. We're recording this at night. This is this for this podcast. But uh, thanks again for joining. We'll be with you next week. Next week, we're going to jump back into some of the how do you market yourself as a company of one. So thanks, and we'll see you next week.